Hello and welcome to Euphoria, the podcast all about the great glam and garish from Eurovision past. My name is Roland Bodnam and as ever I am joined by my co-host who, if she doesn't get a little bit judgy, it'll be more surprising than Austria finishing third in the Eurovision Song Contest. It's Isabel Chilman. Hi, Hi Isabel. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm still getting my voice back from Saturday. You can hear it's still Bloody. a bit croaky. Um, <laughs> but it's come back more so than it was on Sunday, where it was non-existent. <laughs> so this this is a, th- a three-day hangover, effectively, from Eurovision, which is what it should be, really. Oh, absolutely. I, I, <sighs> I used up every ounce of energy I had, and then some other people's energy as well. Um, on Saturday evening so I am still (laughs) definitely my whole body is in recovery I have um, yeah I'm still catching up on sleep I'm still getting my voice back my ankles are still healing from the wounds that I have like actual wounds um, from the boots that I wore on Saturday night these amazing um, multicolored glittery boots that I didn't realize at the time that they were tearing my ankles to shreds. <laughs> so I oh my god! huge scar, like scamps on both my ankles now. <laughs> um, which if you, I, if anyone f- follows me on Instagram, you will be able to see um, videos of that. Uh, if you don't, my Instagram is at IKH c underscore um, and oh. i've made a little highlights video of all of the best boomerangs videos um and clips and photos and stuff of what happened on saturday night it really looked very very special you did a hell of a lot of stuff and um i think my favorite might be the uh choreographed lip sync that you and uh portion of fries did to um the interval That's song eurovision. from eurovision 2015 15 was that 2016 2015 2016 it's two years ago um yeah well it looked fantastic meanwhile i was in uh philadelphia but i was able to sneak uh, uh the first hour in before the wedding everyone was getting ready in the airbnb and i was on my own in the living room really enjoying eurovision um and got to witness live well we'll go we'll go into what we got to witness live uh during the next bit but before we get into that um do you have something to drink isabel i do i've actually already um i've already started it i have a wonderful oh. I'm, I'm going to a Sicily on Saturday. Wow. Oh bloody hell! Look so at you. I've already got into the Italian spirits. I'm having a. Let me read this out from. Uh, let me see what it's called. So I already have poured myself a glass of Montepulciano d'Abruzzo. Mmm, sounds lovely. It's a lovely red wine. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm currently because we're doing this on a Monday, and I'm doing it from work. I haven't had a it chance to get outside. Tuesday, bloody hell. Uh, And I'm currently at work and there is a massive storm outside happening right now. Uh, So I decided uh, that I wouldn't brave the storm to go and get a can of beer or or a bottle of wine. So I'm sadly doing this episode stone cold sober. But there you go. Isabel, you can drink for me. Okay, well, it's very late here, so I'm only going to yeah. have one glass of red yeah. wine because I, as Roland just said, it is Tuesday um, and I have work to do tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's uh, fair. And it's already quarter to 11, so I need yeah. to be vaguely well behaved. But this is a really delicious bottle of wine, really nice. Very Tesco's good. finest. Oh, well, well done, Tesco. Um, as, it, as it's late, let's move straight on to... Yeah, revision news. Uh, do you have any news, mate? I, I don't... 
Don't know, mate. Don't know if anything big's happened. Oh my god! Of course, <laughs> fucking Eurovision happened. Eurovision That's what happened. happened. The big Saturday. news. Oh, the Jesus big Christ. news, of course, if if you didn't know already, why you listen to this podcast? Israel <laughs> came out as Victor Netta with Toy. She was favourite from a long, long time. We called it a while ago. Um, beat out Fuego uh, to the number one spot. Isabel, are you happy with the result? Yeah, definitely. I am, um, like you said, we said ages ago, like basically as soon as we heard Toy, we said then, oh, well, it's, I mean, that's one. That's definitely yeah. one year vision, hasn't it? And then I feel like I got... Um, uh, I got convinced otherwise by other mm. by other by third parties involved in this. I was like, oh, maybe they won't win. Maybe it's going to be Fuego. Maybe it won't even be Fuego. There's loads yeah. of other ones that might swoop in and get this. Turns out it was between uh, Netta and Eleni. So it was between um, Toy and Fuego. But yep. actually, the ones that might swoop in and get this, i.e., Ireland and France. Nope, no. absolutely nowhere no. near when it came around no. to it on Saturday. And ones that were not even discussed as potentials, <laughs> i.e. Austria and Germany. The yeah, German song, which German? was boring as hell. Like, wh- where did that come from? Why did so many people start voting for that one? It was a it complete... Was a- on Saturday night, honestly. Like, So we were, for anyone who doesn't know, on Saturday night, I hosted a Eurovision night at the Amisham Arms in Newcross in South mm. London. There were about 100 people there. They were all beautiful and wonderful and amazing. And if any of them are listening to this, my God, you were great. There were some <laughs> real issues with the internet to start off with and people uh, powered through and, yeah. and really got on side with the whole thing. Yes. Um, but we spent the entire evening... And, and the voting section every time Germany got any votes with all of us going like what, what? was Ger- which one was Germany <laughs> what are you mental why did yeah. that one get votes it, and it everyone was... got very off um, no one no one was impressed like uh, to, when Austria Ooh. first performed uh, yeah. there was we were all on side he's a very hunky man we were into yeah. it but by the like the fourth or fifth time they got a lot of votes the crowd had turned. <laughs> they were not happy about the hunky man getting votes anymore. It was it was very, very, very strange. And it was probably the strangest like week leading up in terms of the odds. Like you had, you know, you had Ireland like suddenly shooting up the board. You had Germany uh, shooting up the board and, and you know, actually that, that made a bit more sense. But nothing for Austria and Austria did really, really well. In terms of the bookies numbers, it was really unpredictable. It was it was a really bizarre uh, week and there seemed to be a lot of hype around acts that that, that um, didn't do performed. anything on the evening. Yeah, like nothing. Didn't do like it wasn't. There was no big. Like France were really hyped for for not just not just by um uh, the wonderful Stephen who we spoke to from the Racing Post. Yeah, but by my by the wonderful Matt Baker, not of Blue Peter, but of ESA Extra. Yeah. Um. Also talked about France. Everyone like a lot of people I spoke to were really hyping up France. When you looked online, people were really going crazy for it. People who were in the stadium during the week during rehearsals kept saying, "Oh my God, the crowd! They're going crazy for France. It's insane." No. But <laughs> right, yeah, one no. of my favorites. One of my favorite surprise votes of the evening, although it shouldn't be because I really enjoyed it and and gave it a lot of uh, a lot of love in the pre uh, Eurovision episode, uh, was the fact that Sweden did very very well with the juries, or as well as should be expected, and gave got lots of votes. And they were what the second to last uh, in terms of the Family. public vote. Yeah. Um, it was very, yeah, it was a real surprise. Benjamin uh, Ingrosso has taken it in his stride. He has uh, on his Instagram put a picture from his postcard. He was doing a selfie with a cup uh, with like three people having a picnic behind him, and he put that with a caption: "Me taking a selfie with all of my people who voted for me." <laughs> uh, 
Bless him. Oh, Benjamin. <laughs> you yeah. you got to laugh. It was um, bizarre. But that's that's why I'm loving the, the voting system nowadays because yeah. you never know what's going to come through. You just don't yeah. know. It was so much fun though. Like uh, as, as I mentioned on Saturday, the, the crowd that we had, we had, uh, there were a couple of Estonian girls who were there who were an absolute hoot. I loved them yep. to pieces. We had a whole um, team supporting Cyprus. We had oh. some um, Irish fans, obviously loads of UK fans. We had some Australians, some Swedes. We oh. had a real mixed bag, so it was good to be able to like have a, have a lot of room supporting different acts, um, and also give us gossip about those acts as well from like yes. their own countries in terms of so most of the time slagging them off. The Swedes were, um, I think, not a big fan of Benjamin and Grosso, but uh, they, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, it was great, and everyone got really on board with the um, with the tagline as well. So early Oof. on, when we were having some internet connectivity problems, we um, were joking about the tagline this year of all aboard um, <laughs> and from that point on every time the each song before they started and it shows like what their their postcard and the, in, the, the intro bit and then yeah. shows the name on the screen it would come up with <laughs> all aboard at the bottom and without <laughs> us even trying to do it the, uh, m- most of the audience would go all aboard, all aboard. <laughs> every time it was adorable oh it sounds like a very very lovely crowd very good group of people well done you guys thanks so much it was amazing yeah it was really <laughs> great fun. um all right well i kind of think that that's our roundup i mean there's so much uh roundup and and uh uh coverage of the uh event um and i'm sure we'll talk about it more uh later on in in other episodes but uh that's our initial take, and we're going to move on because we have a whole bunch of hey, hey, hey. Uh, letters in our letter bag, our digital e-letters. Uh, so I'm going to start uh, with an email from Steinen with the subject line, RSVP, please, man oh man. Uh, it begins, Hello, Isabel and Roland. My name is Steinen, and I come from the island between two continents, Iceland. I oh. just discovered your podcast through my friend Siggy, who emailed us a couple of weeks ago. Amazing. Uh, we have friends who are both emailing <laughs> yes. now. This is great. They can yes. chat to each other through the podcast. So, so now you have have at least two fans from the land of ice and fire. Sorry, yes. that was cringy. It wasn't cringy. That was great. No, it was brilliant. Uh, First of all, I have to say, you guys are awesome. Yeah, we Isabel, are. Isabel, like I said in my tweet that you so generously retweeted the other day, <laughs> um, I do believe that we are soulmates. I myself am Judgy Wudgy as well, a proud Judgy Wudgy. Go Judgy Wudgies. That should be a hashtag. Um, um, okay, we're taking that now, Steinen. <laughs> hashtag go Judgy Wudgies. Uh, I love your cynicism and irony, and it was absolutely <laughs> delightful listening to you politely telling people to fuck off. Love it. <laughs> Who did I politely tell to fuck I, off? I mean, it happens sometimes. <laughs> just we, just we just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> politely telling to fuck off. Oh, yeah, that's me. I think that's me all over. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm polite, uh, but I will tell you to fuck off. Steinen says, Roland, I don't care what Isabel says. I love your enthusiasm for the political history related to Eurovision. As in addition to being a huge Eurovision nerd, I'm a huge history nerd. It's actually kind of funny that when I started listening to you guys, uh, I had just finished writing a paper in my political science class about how the political political landscape of Europe is reflected in Eurovision. Amazing. Uh, send it. Yeah. Steinen, send it. I want to read that. 
Oh my god, yeah, please do. I'll read it. Um, like, I would legit. I'm like Steinen. If you hear this, well, you will hear this before I leave. Yeah. I leave for Sicily on um, on Saturday to go on yes. holiday for a week. If you send that, that is my holiday reading. Absolutely. Uh, Steinen goes on to say. Uh, you guys are amazing and have literally kept me sane during finals. However, if I fail in my finals, I'm going to blame you because I spent too much time listening to you and not enough on my studies. Sorry. Blame um, Roland, not me. <laughs> uh, now, um, Steinen actually has a little extra update about one Sylvia Knight, believe it or not. Uh, we thought she was gone forever. Uh, but Steinen says two years ago, the Icelandic national final uh, was celebrating its 30th anniversary where the opening act was a medley of most of the former Icelandic representatives from Eurovision. Sylvia Knight uh, was apparently contacted regarding performing a part of her song in that medley. She said she would only take part in it if she would, should, if she would be allowed to perform wearing a fat suit sitting in a wheelchair because she believed that would be the state of Sylvia at that point. <laughs> Uh, the Icelandic national broadcaster politely declined that, and Aww. Sylvia Knight was not part of the medley. Oh, Sylvia. Uh, <laughs> Sylvia. Uh, best regards, Steinen from uh, Iceland. Amazing. Thanks, Steinen. Oh, there's one more PS, another uh, compliment for both of us. It says, PS, Isabel, I love your laugh. Roland, your voice is sexy. Ooh. <laughs> no, it's not. Don't tell him that. <laughs> Uh, well, now I know. Thank you so much. Um, oh, well, I love that. So, Stein and you're my favourite. <laughs> Stein and you're my favourite. We're going to move on because we still have more. This is an email from Kevin uh, and it begins, Dear Jon Ola and Valentina. I'm pretty sure he's referring to you as Jon Ola in that, in that one. There. Uh, yeah, you better be. <laughs> um, greetings from Vermont, which the last time I checked is in North America. It's 10pm here and well past my bedtime. My husband is not home, so I'm taking advantage of his absence by getting a little bit drunk on port while going down a YouTube Eurovision black hole. Oh my God, Kevin, watching- wait, no, you have to stop <laughs> there, Roland. Okay. That sounds like my dream evening. Kevin, can I come over <laughs> and we do this together? You're drinking port. Port is my favourite drink yep. and you're going down a YouTube Eurovision hole. Yes. This is incredible. Uh, wow. Your yeah, husband is yeah. a very lucky man. Very lucky. So... <laughs> So he said he's currently watching the 2015 contest opening uh, and every time he watches it, he tears up a little. Bless. Um, He says, anyway, I've never emailed before. I only discovered the podcast recently and I've been binge listening. One of the best ways to to listen to us. And it's been a blast. Thank you for bringing a little hilarity to my morning commute. Um, That that said, I do have a bone to pick. Just a little one, mind you. Um, and to be fair, I, I don't remember this anyway, but in one episode of the podcast, one of you, I'm going to assume this was Isabel, oh, no. was, quite dis- was quite dismissive of Romania's 2014 entry. Um, I, don't, I don't even remember, to be honest. What was Romania's um, 2014 well, entry? Well, uh, so um, Kevin says, which he thinks is a little harsh, as it's actually one of his favourites. Um, and he says, what's not to love about an entry that contains a hologram, a circular piano, not even attempting to convincingly play that circular piano, awkward hug singing, budget pyrotechnics, Eastern <laughs> European earnestness, more fake piano playing, a prolonged high note, and best of all, hand choreography. 
Um, so, I, I, to be honest, I don't remember the song and I don't remember us dissing it. But it, it sounds pretty good when you describe it like that. Oh, I've just uh, okay. I've just googled. So it's Paula. It's Paula selling an OV with Miracle, right? Oh. Which I, I can't. I'm. I, I mean, if it was me then I did that, then I'm sorry. But also I will say, just to back either one of us up, whoever dissed it, um, the same duo, so Paula Selling and Ovi, another one of their songs, Playing With Fire, is one of my all-time favourite songs. Oh, well, there you go. So it's not that I'm like, if it, if it was me, and it probably was, that was slagging it off, I do not hate them as a duo. Playing With Fire was literally on our Eurovision playlist on Saturday. I had it played Perfect. at the night because I freaking love it. It's so great. <laughs> um, Kevin then says, uh, okay, this email is far too long, but if you have any pity, could you at least give a little shout out to my Eurovision club? I'm a French teacher at a school called Crossroads Academy here in New Hampshire, and I have to organise a club each semester. So this semester, I'm running a Eurovision club. Oh, my God. Every week, I tell a story, sound familiar, and then play some of my favourite <laughs> entries from the contest. Uh-huh. It's super fun, and the kids are really into it. Could you say a quick hello? And if either of you have a favourite Eurovision entry that I must play for my students, let me know. So this is a hello to the Crossroads Academy oh Eurovision God. Club. Hi, Do you want to say hello? Oh, no, but Hi. I swear, Kevin, I swear on this. You can't let them hear it. Well, you have to bleep I out mean... all my, my bad words. Hi, Academy, though. I don't know which which ones did they play. Play all of them. Play playing with fly- yeah. fire. It's so good. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, just just keep playing them all. Just go through from the beginning and just play them all. Play the uh, rhythm inside by Loic. Oh yeah, okay. Oh, Isabel, that Isabel. song's so good. <laughs> play them Jeta Dor. That's a great one. <laughs> well, time Kevin, for if bed. You, I'll just send okay. you my Euphoria playlist. Yeah, just, just send type the in Euphoria on um, Spotify. Uh, Spotify. And you will find it's a public playlist and it's absolutely slamming. Okay. Uh, Well, time for bed. Uh, I hope you're having a jolly good week so far. Thanks again for the podcast. Over and out, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks so much, Kevin. That's so exciting. (laughs) We have more. We have more. This is a shorter one. Okay. (laughs) Uh, This is a bumper episode if you hadn't heard. You know how Uh, I said I was only going to have one glass of wine? uh Uh Uh-oh. Already on my third. (laughs) Uh, this is an email um, which was followed quite soon after a tweet. Um, and I think this has happened before from this particular emailer uh, who, who then later apologised via Twitter for emailing us whilst drunk, oh, which dear. we <laughs> which we absolutely is think is a, is, a re- is a requirement. No, this time it's Chance. Oh. Our, our good friend Chance well, from Brooklyn. That's, I, think that is, is, I thought it was Jaime last time he emailed us. Oh, it might be. Oh, everyone just gets drunk emails us and then tweets an apology oh shit i'm so sorry i did don't apologize back (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um chance from brooklyn says this extra week off was too much i was lost without you two beautiful souls um i'm glad you guys are doing these tribute episodes for liss and katie two true legends of eurovision and they deserve it but we have to talk about 2018 uh, this is obviously sent before, uh, and we, we didn't uh, read them through last time because it was already an hour, an hour and a half long. Uh, but Chance says, if anything other than Israel wins, I'll be devastated. Oh, well, well at least Chance isn't devastated. 
at least chances and devastated. I'm especially worried that Alexander Ryback will repeat since the ESC media, ESC media seems insistent on praising his return, even though the song is clearly meant for junior Eurovision. That's very, very true. Yeah, that's what we said. It should it yeah. would win. If they gave it to a child, it would win junior Eurovision. Yes. yes. Um, personal shame moment for Chance. I love San Marino this year. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, oh, you're the only one. <laughs> yep. Um, Isabel, make sure everyone tips your wonderful drag queen host portion of fries. Um, I'm making my best gay guess on that spelling. And Chance, you got that absolutely right. You you, right. you did very well on that. Um, and Roland, continue your day drinking practice. We're only days away from your first national fi- final as a filthy foreigner. Yeah. Love you both. And that's how you write an email, Chance from Brooklyn. Oh, Thanks, Chance. Great sign off. Good work, Chance. Love it. Um, well, there we go. That is all our emails. Thank you so much for emailing us. And um, we should have said at the start of this episode, this is uh, going to be the last one before we take a little bit of a break because, uh, you know, as everything's calming down after Eurovision itself, we also need to have a little calming down moment ourselves. Um, but feel free to email us in the gap so that when we come back, um, we have a lot to come back to. Uh, you can email us at euphoriapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us at EuphoriaCast, or uh, we're on Instagram. I don't know. I've never said our Instagrams before. Well, uh, you mean our personal ones? Well, we did have our our podcast one. Yeah, that died a death because I fucking hated updating it. (laughs) But personal ones are still fun. Mine's at ikhc underscore. I don't know what my one is. I think if you just search my name, Roland Bodenham, it will come up. There's not many of us (laughs) in the world. He does like, he does nice pictures of New York. Oh yeah, lots of skylines and lots of uh, sometimes food. It's lovely. Uh, <laughs> okay, should we move on to the last story of this season, season three? And uh, I think it's a good one to go out on. Of course, as earlier mentioned in one of the emails, we are doing our tribute episodes. Last uh, episode, Isabel, you uh, told us all about the wonderful life of Liz Asia and the first mm-hmm. ever um, Eurovision Song Contest. Today, I am going to tell you all about Eurovision royalty, Katie Boyle. Amazing. 29th of May, 1926. Born Katerina Irene Elena Maria Imperiale de Francavia. What? That's her name. What? I thought I had a long name. (laughs) Yep. To her father, who was an Italian aristocrat named the Marquis Demetrio Imperiale de Francavia, and her mother... A Yorkshire woman named Dorothy Ramsden. Yes, yes, <laughs> bloody Yorkshire's in there. Dorothy, Dorothy Dor- Ramsden. That is the most Yorkshire name you could ask for as well. Dorothy Ramsden. <laughs> it's oh it's me, God. Dorothy Ramsden. That's incredible. I'm already, yeah. this is already the best story we've ever had. <laughs> a, 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 an Italian marquis. Marquis, is that how you say it? I don't know. I think so. Marquis. I mean, it's either Marquis or Marquis. I but think like it's Italian, like royalty, yeah. in a way, and yeah. just Do- Dorothy Dot Ramsden it, from Yorkshire. It's me, Dorothy Ramsden. Yeah, it's me. Uh, oh my god. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I haven't gone back into the story of how Dot Ramsden met the Marquis Dimitri Imperiali de Francavilla. That is my story to tell now, <laughs> okay, and yeah, my story to star in and film. We, it's the prequel. Um, so. Um, 
Katerina, as she was then known, uh, her younger years were spent in the idyllic Tuscan hills just outside of Florence, Italy. Sadly, Mm. sadly, in stark contrast to the beauty of the nature around her, her youth was turbulent and even tragic. Before she was even five years old, she was socialising with other young princesses, duchesses and marquesas. Marchesas? I don't know. We're not going to... We won't do well. Um, And she explained in her autobiography that her cosmopolitan background gave her Italian volatility, Russian romanticism and a strong streak of Yorkshire stock. I feel as though you're talking about me. <laughs> you've you're got telling the Ita- story of who I should be. Yeah, you've got the Italian. You're building the Italian side. You've got yeah. the Yorkshire stock. I don't know where you get the Russian romanticism from, but you know it's I somewhere. I can find it. I'll you find, find it. it. I'll pay for it. <laughs> If that's um, what it takes. Okay, well, I hope this next bit isn't true to you because my next paragraph begins with the line, her father was a fascist. Oh, no, the reference no. is really nice. He's <laughs> no, v he's liberal. Not. V, V liberal, v, guys. V liberal, yeah. yeah. V, so, v liberal reverend. Different. He's the um, best So one. her father's fascism led to many, many arguments between Katie's parents. Um, and eventually, five years after uh, Katerina's birth, her parents did get divorced. Um, Dorothy, uh, Katerina's mother, fled back to the UK, leaving sole custody of Katie to her father. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh. In an interview uh, Katerina gave, or Katie then, in 1995, she described her father by saying he was a total schizoid. He would charm the birds off the trees, and in public he behaved marvellously, but he wasn't the person you'd take home with you. One minute he would behave effusively... And then he would do or say something terrible. Uh, clearly, it was not a happy upbringing, and even darker times were ahead for Katie. I've so, dated a few guys like that. Uh, well, it's, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel like me and Katie are spirit animals right now. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Like, though, that description is, I mean, it's just sociopath, isn't it? Basically, it's being one yeah. thing on the outside and then being a complete um, fucker on the, on the backside. Um, in private, um, but a very, very well described. Um, Katie herself uh, actually clearly had quite the rebellious streak uh, as she was expelled from four out of the six private schools which she was made to attend. Um, oh, she's a badass. Yes. It was clear, however, that the political climate around Katie was changing, however, and this became even clearer to her when she was forced to wear an all-black outfit, which was a fascist symbol in Italy at the time, and sing fascist songs at her school in Florence. Uh, This was, of course, uh, in the lead-up to uh, World War II, so that makes sense. Um, As war broke out, the Italian fascist party took control of the country, Katie's father appeared to almost have a a bit of a change of heart with his beliefs and actually began um, working to save and secretly house Italian Jews who would otherwise have been sent to German death camps. Um, Apparently fearful for his daughter's safety too, he refused to let Katie leave the house, keeping her locked up for several months. Oh, Christ. I still, despite his change of hearts, I still don't really appreciate his early fascism i kind of feel like that's similar to uh, the trump regretting voters and the brexit regretting voters now right it's like oh when it happens it's like oh i, I didn't mean it i was just being yeah um you know but at least he did something and that's something he acted on it 
Um, so anyway, it would take more than her father attempting to keep her locked in uh, to stop Katie from finding trouble, though. And that she did when she met and fell in love with a secret police officer who was already married. She explains uh, that this man was truly the first man to ever show her kindness. And I guess that kind of stems from her father being uh, horrible to her, the first man that shows her kindness she falls in love with. Um, oh, and again, uh, not me, but no. I have many friends with similar daddy issues yes. <laughs> who are yes. now dating much older men. <laughs> yes, interesting, that one. Uh, anyway, um, as the war raged on, the Allies began pushing into Italy and the country was about to flip sides. Uh, as this was taking place, Katie's love affair was ended when her lover was executed by the Italian rebels. Oh my god! Her, her lover was a bad guy, by the way. Secret police was was bad. Um, oh, but she, oh, yeah. I was excited for them. No, no, well, yeah. Just, uh, well, that's what I mean. Confusing times. I think oh she god. just fell in love with a man that showed her kindness, regardless of who he was. Um, Katie was always a, a pretty liberal uh, person, by the way. Just so we know. Um, okay, good. This isn't. Yeah, this isn't yeah, going to be was, like a no. like an honorary lovely episode that ends no, with. But and it turns out Katie Ball was a Nazi sympathizer. <laughs> no, and none no, of no, us no. should ever have liked her. No, 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 no. She, but it was just a very. I mean, it was a very confusing time. It was at war, and um, she had been, you know, whatever. Um, ab- basically abused for her whole childhood. So yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> So Katie's father was furious that she had, in his eyes, been so reckless and unscrupulous as to uh, have this love affair with this man. So he committed Katie to a psychiatric hospital where she remained for nine months. What the fuck is this story? I know. I mean, it's not as light-hearted as uh, you were quite expecting, is it? Jesus Christ. We're only about ten minutes in and I've already heard... (laughs) more things that I never like I I've no I've no understanding of where this is going to go now. Yeah. Like what yeah. the fuck yeah, was her um, life? Reflecting on this, Katie explained that she blamed herself at the time. She said, "When my father locked me away, I thought it must have been because I'd been very naughty. It was only when I grew up that I realized that everything he taught me about life was wrong." So clearly there. Well, how old was she when she was put in when she was put in a psychiatric ward? She, then? I'm guessing she. So she was born in 1926. The war. Uh, she, she was like maybe 20s, mid 20s. Fuck yeah. yeah. Um, after uh, the nine months being incarcerated in a psychiatric hospital, Katie's mother, the lovely Dot. Uh, reappeared and uh, removed Katie from the psychiatric hospital to take her back to England, uh, basically rescued Katie from the confines of the psychiatric hospital. Good for Dot, right? Came, okay, came yeah, to her rescue. Dot, I mean, you should have turned up a bit earlier, love. Probably well, it was... After there, but... It, it was the war. I mean, she, she couldn't really... She got back to the UK. Yeah, but she travelled back to the UK before the war, and then the Why war happened. Why did she take her then? I'm well, going to question true. this. Why no, she, no, she should have. She should have. She should have taken her. I guess she thought, like you know, because she was married to the. Uh, well, she knew who her husband was. I was going to say she leaving her in the wealth of Italy. I'm, I don't know. I'm not trying to make excuses, but it, you know, it was clearly a you know a difficult decision to make. Difficult anyway, times, troubling times, fully understand. Troubling times. Good for Dot. She's brought her back. Did she take yeah. her to Yorkshire? Please say she, she took, took her to Yorkshire. England. 
On arrival to England, Katie quickly rediscovered herself and her socialite side. After being spotted trying on a hat by famed author Beverly Nichols, he asked her to model for the illustration for his women's own column, which was that week devoted to how a woman chooses a hat. What? (laughs) How does a woman choose a hat? This guy, Beverly Nichols, one, this guy, Beverly Nichols, uh, writes a column in Women's Own about how a woman chooses a hat. Uh, if anyone would like to tell me how a woman chooses a hat, please email us, podcast at gmail.com. Because I have absolutely no idea. I don't even, I own one hat. Yeah. Really. How did you choose it? No, I've it? got like a woolly, well, because my I burnt my head last summer. Oh, mate. And then so it was you... sunny the next day, so I was like, well, I'm going to have to buy a hat. Well, maybe that's my head. Maybe that's so what Beverly wrote. I just found the first hat. Maybe that's what Beverly wrote. We just don't know. <laughs> just find the first hat that fits just find a hat. and wear it. Just get a hat but, and like exchange money for it, and then you have the hat. Anyway. <laughs> I really like that as a how to buy a hat. You find the hat. You give him some money, you bought a hat, <laughs> now put it on your head. <laughs> Beverly wasn't, yeah, he wasn't the most exciting author of his time, but there you go. Useful, <laughs> useful information. Um, <laughs> anyway, Katie was moving fast, and within a year of her escape from the asylum, she was married to one Richard Boyle, a British aristocrat who would later become Earl of Shannon. Oh, where good. is Shannon? I don't know. Sounds great, though. Earl of Shannon. Um oh. She soon became pregnant, but tragedy struck once more as she suffered a miscarriage after falling down a set of stairs. Oh, no. She later admitted, though, that in a strange way, losing the baby was, in fact, a relief for her. She said that uh, she had never really wanted babies, but as a staunch Catholic, she was unable to even consider an illegal abortion. Fucking hell. I know, this, right? I mean, uh, just to, I'm going to say two things. I mean, this is this. Well, this is the bit. This is the most brilliantly <laughs> horrifying but wonderful story I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, and secondly, if you're a woman and you don't want to have a baby, that's fine. For any women listening who don't want to have a kid, that is fine. I'm 29 years old. I'm turning 30 this year. I've never wanted kids. I still don't want a kid. I still get judged for it on a regular basis. Luckily, I do have very loveful. Uh, love, love, love rule. I combined the words liberal and loving, um, yeah. uh, liberal and loving parents who do not mind what I do. Of but course. I know so many women who get judged for it massively, and I know loads of women who are from religious backgrounds who that would like same thing would not be the case. And you look at places like in Ireland, it's still women are still having to come over to England to get abortions. They are still uh, having really dangerous back, you know, kind of back room abortions that are going on that's just horrifying that you would be ha- like that anyone should have to be relieved that they've had a miscarriage because a miscarriage is not no. a pleasant experience uh, no, uh, either absolutely and it's a shocking thing to be re- like you say it's a shocking thing to uh for someone to say that they were relief re- relieved that they fell down the stairs and suffered a miscarriage that's but that just shows yeah that just shows the How pressure not and the, just the most depressed person in the world after the life yeah. she's had already well we'll f- we'll find out how she handled it uh katie uh remained married to richard for eight years however during that time the the pair were actually dogged by rumor and speculation uh, in the press that katie had been having an affair with the one and only duke of edinburgh aka the queen's husband prince philip 
No. Uh, one story even claimed that <laughs> Prince Philip. What is this story? <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is all true. This is what well, this is like. All the this, this isn't is this bit isn't necessarily true. This is like what the press are saying. Uh, one story even claimed that Prince Philip had once had to flee through the servants' entrance of her home as her husband had arrived home early. Can you imagine that? Prince Philip legging it out of. The, um, this is just the most bizarre story I've ever heard. I will say Katie has always vehemently denied these accusations. Uh, she said it's pure fabrication. You just have to expect that people will tell complete lies about you. Um, during this time, uh, Katie's star was very much on the rise and she began to regularly appear on uh, people's, on the public's screens and stages. Doing what? Oh, so she was an actor. She was doing acting. Sorry, I've, I've missed that bit out. She she moved into from like modelling and she moved into acting uh, and doing like appearances on like quiz shows. Uh, she hosted for a very short while a, a BBC quiz show based around um, uh, medicine and, and doctors stuff and uh, hospital what? stuff. It was a, there was a, a hosp- quiz show about medicine. <laughs> yeah, about medicine and surgery. It didn't last very long, uh, but she was host <laughs> of it. It was called something. I can't remember what it was called, but it was... Um, let me see if I, if it's on her Wikipedia. I'll just get it right now. But um, There was a bizarre... When I was over... When the last time I was over in LA, because, yeah, I'm cool. I've got friends in LA that I go to. Oh, yeah. Um, we stayed in one night and... Um, we're watching this uh, a TV channel that just shows really old quiz shows on it. Yeah. Um, and we kept watching this one. I can't remember what it was called now, but it was from maybe the like the 60s. Um, and it would have celebrities, not yeah. in the sense of celebrities nowadays, but like swanky. They came dressed like they were about to go to the oh. to the BAFTAs. Yeah. Like really, all of them with very cut glass voices, even if they were American. Um, and they would be, they would have to ask people questions and work out who they were and why they were, why they were well known or why they'd be in the news kind of thing. And yeah. they'd get these celebs on, there'd be like three or four each game. And one time we were watching it, we'd watched, we'd watched a lot of the episodes of this. The weather was not great in LA. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm, I'm perfectly allowed to say this because weed is legal in LA but you just sit and <laughs> smoke weed and then watch old quiz shows Perfect. that's what you do yeah. um, and one of them they were like and we're just like well, welcome the next person the next celebrity ghost Mr. Ronnie Reagan and it was just Ronald Reagan oh <laughs> my god what like, a guest what the hell this is a bizarre. pretty good guest this is really uh, weird Isabel, I'm so glad I did I did look up this because it's one of the best concepts I think I've ever heard. So it's just it's perfect. In 1968, this is from Wikipedia. She appeared alongside comedian Lance Percival. Great name. Uh, so Lance, yeah, Lance, in the fledgling Thames Television panel quiz game of medical knowledge, and the show was called Lance That Boyle. No, it was not. <laughs> it absolutely was, which is so good. Oh Sadly, the show pun name ever. <laughs> Sadly, the show was cancelled after only three episodes. But bring it back. <laughs> find some. Get Lance from Ensink. Yeah. And who's called Boyle? There'll be uh, Susan Boyle. Susan, Lance from NSYNC and Susan Boyle. Bring back Lance that Boyle. Lance that Boyle. So good. It, it could, could be, be a musical, podcast. medical hybrid. <laughs> it could be a podcast, maybe. Maybe it'll find a place Fuck, on a podcast. That's genius. That's <laughs> so good. Genius. It was so good. 
so anyway, so she was appearing on screens and stages. Um, it was at this time that Katie was remarried, this time to a stockbroker named Greville Bayliss. All of these names are brilliant. I love all of the names. Greville? Greville, yeah, Greville. Not Neville, but Greville. Greville. Uh, Greville. That ain't a name. <laughs> Greville. Uh, Greville. I bet if you did that thing where, you, you know, every year when they release like the most popular baby names, if you yeah. if you searched on that, Greville, Greville. to one. see how no, no babies have been called Greville <laughs> since that one Greville was named Greville. It's due a comeback, I reckon. Greville. Fuck no. <laughs> um, a short time after uh, the marriage, this pair had a furious row which led to Katie briefly leaving Greville. Uh, once more, rumours of adultery followed Katie, and the result of these uh, rumour and speculation in the press led to her sacking from the BBC. Great. Oh. Yeah. Just, oh, what, she's a woman who, um, it's rumoured she's had an affair. Yeah, she's fired. Oh. Uh, so more fucking... Fucking patriarchy. Fucking patriarchy, oh, I tell you what. Um, after a short time... Katie decided to give it another shot with Greville. How could you not with a name like that? Uh, fortunately, at the same time, uh, appearances on several panel shows for ITV's ITV raised her profile once more and she began uh, moving from one job to another to another, raising her profile. So when, a few years later, London was set to host the Eurovision Song Contest, Katie... Uh, with the fact that she could speak three or four fluent languages at the time, was the obvious choice to host. And on the 29th of March, 1960, Katie Boyle stepped on the stage and said the following words. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. On behalf of the BBC, I'd like to welcome you all to the fifth annual Eurovision Song Contest, as well as greeting you all here in the Royal Festival Hall and of course, televiewers everywhere in the United Kingdom, I would also like to welcome practically everybody in Western Europe, because tonight this program is being televised to no less than 14 countries. There we go. Uh, uh, just a... I would also like to, va- I like the bit where she goes, I would also like to welcome practically everybody from Western Europe. <laughs> At the time, it was. That's Anyone with a TV. That's great. Practically it is, isn't it? everybody is watching this. She's lovely. She's beautiful. She's elegant, as as they say in, in her description. And the fact that she could do four four languages as well. Good for her, right? Good for her. I can almost yep. do two. You can almost do two. I You're working your way to be two. able to host. Hello, Italiano. <laughs> Uh, Katie's reception for that first evening was overwhelmingly positive. The critics claimed she was calm and collected, especially when the Italian live feed cut out halfway through giving uh, points. Um, Her multilinguistics were put to good use and she did her country proud. It makes sense then that when the UK was set to host the Eurovision Song Contest once more, that she should be the the contest hosts and MC. Yes, in 1960, 1963, 1968 and 1974, Katie Boyle was front and centre, leading Europe on its merry way through pop music. One of my favourite anecdotes of this time comes from the last time she hosted, when, with just five minutes to go before the show started, the show director realised that due to the strong studio lights, 
The whole of Europe would be able to see Katie's underwear through her light peach dress. Oh, no. So the decision was made that Katie would whip off her underwear in the wings and present the entirety of Eurovision 1970 wearing no underwear whatsoever under the dress. This is the best story of all time. (laughs) Oh, my God. She did the whole of it in uh, Going Commando. It's brilliant. Fucking good for her. What a trooper. I can see the knickers. Don't worry, just whip them off, mate. Whip them off. That's the Yorkshire side of her coming out. (laughs) That's the Yorkshire girl in it. Oh, just take my knickers off. Be all right. Completely. Um, after her final stint as uh, Eurovision host, Katie stepped back from the stage and began her role as an agony aunt from a news- for a newspaper which would stretch from 1970 to 1988. So 18 years being an agony aunt. Um, you must get fed up listening to people moaning. I know, I know, you must do. Sadly, in 1973, the strains of her marriage to Greville were showing once more, and she decided to call it quits. As, of we, course, as we were all aware quite early on, never marry a man named Greville. Greville. <laughs> if you do ever meet a man named Greville in a bar, no. run. Bad run. news. Bad, Bad news. <laughs> Um, of course, uh, as is the way with Katie, uh, once more accusations of illicit affairs followed her through the door. Um, the scandal this time drove Katie close to suicide. She explained in her book, uh, I was staying on the 18th floor of the St. George's Hotel in London. I had my little Yorkie with me and I was so miserable Uh, But I couldn't decide how best to kill myself. I thought about jumping, but that would have left my Yorkie all alone. Then I thought about poisoning myself and my dog, but I didn't have the courage. And besides, I was still curious about what life had in store for me. Oh, Katie. Oh, my God. (laughs) You don't want to leave her Yorkie all alone. Heartbreaking story. Yeah. In... Uh, 1976, Katie met acclaimed theatre producer Sir Peter Saunders. They fell in love and were married within three months. When you know, you know. You know? You know. You know. When you know, you know. You know. You know. Uh, And actually, the pair, despite being the fairly uh, fast-paced falling in love... The pair remained happily married until Peter passed away in the early 2000s. Mm. So Katie, Katie finally found happiness with uh, her with uh, her husband, Peter Saunders. I'm glad. That's a good name. Good normal name. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Peter, not Greville. Um, <laughs> Katie still had close ties to Eurovision later in life, going to fan club conventions and appearing at the 1998 Eurovision Song Contest, uh, which was in Birmingham at the time. She also appeared on a special Eurovision-themed episode of The Weakest Link, where she made history by becoming the first person to vote themselves out of the show. (laughs) Katie. Sadly, as we know, Katie passed away peacefully just a short time ago on the 20th of March 2018. But as with any Eurovision legend, we all know that she lives on in the history of Eurovision and in all of our hearts. Katie Boyle. What a story. Oh, my God. That is like, that's what a great story to end this series on. This That's insane. What a life to lead. Absolutely God, incredible. No wonder she was fucking suicidal at bits of it. What Jesus a Christ. horror show for a lot of it. I know. 
I'm glad she did live like the, the you know, the, 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 the last good chunk of her life. Yeah. Very happily. And she did, I mean, she had, you know, she was glamorous and she had a glamorous life and, uh, you know, clearly lived the high life between the, the rough bits. But just so many times where something absolutely bloody awful happened to her and she, like, stood up, fought through it. And actually, so I um, I didn't, I haven't read her book, but I have read quotes from her book through various articles or whatever. But she seems really frank about like all of these things that happened and her depression and suicidal thoughts and, and all those things. So good for her for, for being, for opening up about it as well. Um, yeah, man, definitely. It's quite a hard thing to do. What an absolute trooper. Completely. Oh, I, I still can't get over uh, the, the, what was it called again? Lance. <laughs> Boil that Lance. No, Lance, Lance that, that boil. boil. Lance that boil. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's like, how did that not continue just for the name alone? Like, that was That's complete genius. genius. <laughs> That's so absolutely good. genius. Now, genius. do you think they came up with, they they had a medical sh- quiz show and they wanted to name it and then they realised Lance that ball? Or do you think they put the two together, came up with Lance that ball and decided and went, right, well, we have to do a medical quiz show now? I've, I don't care. Either way, <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. Whether or not, yeah, I don't even mind whether it was name, name first and then they created yeah. afterwards is brilliant. Yeah. But yeah. Where, but if they just went, well, we've got, well, yeah, we've got, so we've got, got Lance, Lance um, per- Percival, was it? Yeah, Lance Percival and we've Katie Boyle. We've got Lance Boyle. Percival and we've got Katie Boyle involved. It's amazing. And yeah, they're going to do a medical thing. What can we and call it? And someone went. And then just like that that wonderful spark in someone's eyes where they go, yeah. guys, guys, I've got it. <laughs> I, I, this is the best idea I'm ever going to have I've in my whole it. life. It's going to be called uh, Lance that Boyle. <laughs> and then it only lasts for three episodes. That person must have been devastated when that got cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> like my life's work. And now it's cancelled. <laughs> Uh, but there you go. That is, uh, as no, you say, mate, that was brilliant. Oh, what a great send off to Katie. Oh, yeah, incredible. There you go. We do have. Uh, I have some making up to do, Isabel. Uh, mm-hmm. As you know, and as we covered in the last episode, Sally from Australia was a little bit upset with me uh, because, rightly so. Yeah, rightly so, because she had rewritten or written some lyrics to a song. I had previously um, put forward this season, and then I just forgot about them, and I didn't, I didn't do anything with them. So uh, this week, in our final episode of the season, it makes perfect sense that uh, last week we had someone entering an actual bloody song. Brilliant. This week we have a audience entered lyrics to a uh, some music that I or a song that I previously wrote. So we're going to listen to it, Isabel. And it does fall back on, uh, and I think quite rightly, it falls back on what we spoke about at the start of this season. Um, The title of this song and the title that Sally gave it is The Storm in Your Eyes. Sounds great. Should we have a listen? Let's have a listen, mate. Tonight, it's coming. Feel the sparks and current fly through the air Cause tonight, blood's pumping As the wind begins to blow through our hair I know the darkest clouds are messing above me And the thunder's building up to a roar Well the hardest time is not yet behind me But the darkest time comes before the dawn We are on the edge, don't know 
Storm in Your Eyes, uh, written by Sally, performed by myself. Uh, Isabel, what do you think of the, the the tone, the content of that song? I'm really into it. I yeah. was really into that. That was great. That was a real yeah. good combo between the effort between the two of you. <laughs> yeah, that's like I would say that's that is. I, I'm going to be. I'm going to be really honest. Ooh. I don't think it's a winning song. No, but, I think I agree. But I think that's solidly on the left side side of the board. Yeah, and you know, like I said, I said tone because I think I like some of the lyrics, like the darkest clouds are massing above me, and the storms are about to soar, or something like that. Like it really uh, make you feel something. They're really, um, I don't know what the word is, but they're really great Very lyrics emotive. written by Sally. Emotive, yeah, it's great. Very emotive, Sally. I'm into it, Sally. You've, you've done a solid. You've done a bloody great effort there. That's I'm I think that's like I think uh, I, I yeah I really like it I really like the the lyric I like the lyrics I like the tone um, I think that's a definite move in the right direction for us in terms of where we're taking our um, all time greatest Eurovision song that we're, we're creating yeah, yeah, as a for group for sure and I think it, I think it rounds up uh, this season nicely it's interesting uh, actually because when initially I did this song I sort of had um, Sweden's Benjamin Ingrosso's song in mind that kind of very electro-y chorus um, and the quite high lyrics there but having seen how badly that did with a public vote I think maybe the music needs to shift a little bit to something else something different something a little bit yeah. unique well when um, you look at this year when you look at the songs I mean we'll, we'll ignore Austria and Germany in this conversation because yeah. who knows how they did so who well who knows yeah. Um, uh, oh, he was very hunky, was Austria, but I mean, he it was. wasn't. It wasn't the top very strange. Um, but when you look at the top two, when you look at Fuego and at Toy, obviously Toy is so out there and yeah. fun and ridiculous and bizarre. That obviously was the reason why that stood out massively um, in comparison to every other song this year, and in terms of Eurovision in in general. And was a really well put together pop song. Um, I'll make comment now. Actually, this is something I've seen over the last few days. Netherlands entry is being uh, very derogatory about um, about oh. and about toy. But yeah. also, I mean, there's issue. He 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 has issues with his um, Waylon. He needs to sort his shit out anyway. Because um, that was, uh, just the whole Netherlands entry was very weird. It was discussed it was quite a lot on Saturday night in terms pro- of like quite problematic, white- right? very problematic in terms yeah. of the white um kind of like country rock band and then and just the black guys dancing yeah doing like weird crunking but Ooh, it felt very, very 
but he was being yeah, very not, rude about yeah. Netta after she won. Um, clearly a bit uh, peed off that he's um, uh, didn't do as well as he thought he would. But because it, but it, it's a, it's it's fantastic. Like fuck the haters. It's a fantastic yeah. pop song. It's for sure. Like really fun, really ridiculous. And then Fuego. Yep. My God, that song wow. should just be number one in every country. Yeah, like that absolutely. is one of the best. Uh, like summer anthems we could yeah. have ever wished for. That is going to be on every summer playlist I put together. Yeah. And that's on that's on your yours and mine Eurovision playlist for now until forever, right? That's going to stay on there. Yeah, forever. That's one of the best Eurovision songs ever made. Like, yeah, absolutely it's so good. So I think the I think we do need to up the stakes. I think in terms of what we're putting in, in terms of the slot, like the actual like melody and the actual track itself. I think we need to go bigger and bolder. Mm, okay, well that sets us up very nicely for season four. Can't believe we don't have on season four already oh <laughs> uh, of Euphoria. So uh, as we said at the start, please give us an email between if you're drunk, just email us. I feel like that should be if you're feeling like you're drunk and going to text an ex, just give us an email instead. Yeah, uh, we're a bit like a safe service. Yeah, we are. Uh, that's EuphoriaPodcast at gmail or you can tweet us at EuphoriaCast as well. Always love tweets from people. Yeah. Um, so as Ronan said earlier, we are going to take a little bit of a break now, as is standard for us at the end of a series. So post Eurovision, we have a little bit of a break. Obviously, we want you to still... This is the point of the podcast is Eurovision might be over, but it is not over. It's never, never over in our never eyes. Ends. We will always talk about Eurovision. <laughs> so we're going to have uh, maybe a month off. I'm going on holiday yeah. on Saturday, so I need a little bit of time off of that anyway. I'm going to go to yeah. Sicily and I'm going to go to Rome. Um, and I will let you all know how that goes in terms of my Italian speaking. Um, but then we will be back with season four, back with stories about the great glam and garish of Eurovision, obviously. Yes. Um, and I would just like to end this series by saying, A, Roland, you're an absolute gem as always. We've you absolutely nailed this doing this from two different you continents. <laughs> like, this has been wonderful. Yeah. Consider- really yeah. great. We can't do yeah. too many of these late ones. It's now quarter to 12 for me. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who listens. You're absolute superstars and yeah. um, and you contact us and send us the most beautiful emails and uh, it's just really wonderful whenever someone new emails us who says that they've been listening because it's so lovely to know that there is new people but also yep. the say you know, when the regulars email us, also oh. great that you're still there. You're still there to chat yeah. to. Really amazing. Yeah. Uh, and thirdly, th- just again, thank you to anyone who came on 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 Saturday night. There's a wonderful. You've not met. If you if you met Christy before, Hannah's friend. Uh, if He's I have, gorgeous. this is gonna be awkward because uh, <laughs> really gorgeous. You yeah. know, if you met Christy, yeah, I probably would gorgeous. know. Yeah. Um. So, Chris, uh, wonderful people came on Saturday, including Christy, who listens to the podcast. So I will say, oh. Christy, you're an absolute angel. You are the most handsome man I've ever met. Um, and it's just, it was absolutely, it was really wonderful to have people there who listen and then came along. And this is just the most fun to do. Ah, oh, I, uh, yeah, me too. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, ditto. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you all so much for listening. And we will be back at some point. We'll let you know. Uh, in the meantime, we love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.